So before this ball game started, uh, I was uh, just wrapping up the pregame show, and Ben Nicholson Smith had actually come up from doing his TV TV obligations for his pregame on Sportsnet TV, and he sat down next to me and he asked me, "So what do you think of the red jersey curse?" And I laughed and I said, uh, <laughs> "I hadn't really thought about it. Uh, I guess it's real. I, I suppose it's real, right?" I uh, boy, as soon as BNS said that to me, I thought, "Oh." Oh, crap. He's right, right? But, yikes. Say, welcome to Jay's Talk on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Show Ali with you for a little while here as we break down the Blue Jays' 4 nothing loss to the Yankees this afternoon. Give me a call at 416-870-0591, 590 star 590 on your cell. You can also shoot me a text. I see a couple here already. Uh, on the text line, 590-590, name and location on the results from the ballpark tonight. I'm curious, does, this la- does the series materially change your mind on what this Blue Jays team is? Like, are you, have you changed your mind after the split against the Orioles or any of the series right before that? Or uh, has, has something changed now that we see the Blue Jays lose two straight and three overall uh, to, uh, to the, both the Orioles and the Yankees? So yeah, give me, give me a call. Text me at 590-590 name and location. Uh, just to wrap up the thought on the, the red Jersey thing. I don't, like, I don't generally believe in things like jinxes for a no-hitter, like if someone's saying, if someone's out there saying there's a no-hitter and you say, oh man, player X has a no-hitter, I, you know, it, it's, that isn't, I don't really get, I don't really find that too bothersome really if someone says it or doesn't say it or what have you. Whatever happens is what happens. But despite this next, what I'm about to say next being completely a, diametrically opposed to that, I do kind of believe in jersey curses, right? I mean, like you know, the Leafs play better when they play in the white jerseys or the blue jerseys, or the Oilers or the the or the Flames or the Canucks play better in the dark jerseys or the yeah I don't know that things like that, right? And the blue Jay, blue Jays play better with the whites than the baby blues or what have you. I uh, uh yeah, the red jerseys are uh, maybe may, uh, maybe I shouldn't go so far as to say cursed, but uh, I do think maybe. Eh, save them for Canada Day. That's that's when I want to see them. I want to see them on Canada Day and no other point <laughs> during the season. Um, ben and Ben actually did mention during the broadcast maybe seeing those black and like d- differently colored blue silver jerseys with the kind of warped TJ with the the kind of cartoony tar- the kind of cartoony Blue Jay logo on it. I wouldn't mind seeing that every now and again from the Vernon Wells era, right? I wouldn't mind seeing those every now and again. But yeah, the red jerseys, hard pass as the Blue Jays uh, lose 4 nothing to the Yankees. Um, as far as this game goes, though, huh, it's weird to say I kind of felt like it was just a ho-hum game for the Blue Jays, right? Like Alec Manoa got into that spot of trouble in the fourth, and we'll get to that inning. We'll get to Manoa in a sec. But generally speaking, and I'm, I'm curious where you all fall on this, it – the entire game, it felt like the Yankees just executed everything that much better, right? Like, there was no glaring spot, and again, beyond the bases getting loaded, Hicks coming through with the play of the game, the three RBI double. Beyond that maybe one moment, I feel like there was no particular individual play where I, I felt like you could point to that and say, that's where the Blue Jays lost the game, right? I mean, sure, there were a couple of moments, I think it was... There was the Jays left runners on the corners in the bottom of the second inning. They didn't get the jump on the Yankees early on. This was before the Yankees got the double from Hicks. There was the bottom of the sixth inning. They strand another pair when they're down 4 nothing. Teoscar Hernandez got rung up on that one. And I think there was another period where, might have been in the seventh or eighth, where 
Springer walked for the third time and they couldn't cash in a run. I mean, he was on first base, but still, they couldn't cash in any kind of run at any point tonight. And I know that's a really simplistic way of viewing it because the Blue Jays got shut out. So not much went right, period, for the offense today, especially when you get shut out for for just a handful of times in a single season. But I just, you know, you look at the better quality at bats, you look at the aggressive base running for the Yankees when... Runners were advancing 90 feet on sack flies to get them from first to second or second to third more often than not, right? You you see after a pretty good start from Jameson Tyone, King and Holmes come in and shove as well, right? I mean, King had, what, three innings or almost three full innings of work against the Blue Jays? That's pretty phenomenal, and that guy has some like, truly some ridiculous arm action, some side run on some of those pitches. You Like, if you could... If I ever encourage people to go see one Twitter account, it's the Pitching Ninja, which is a very popular Twitter account. Rob Friedman does a fantastic job with the overlays of pitches on pitches. And he did it with Michael King today. His release point is basically exactly the same, like maybe millimeters to, you know, a couple of, you know, not, not, there's not a lot of difference going on there. And uh, Michael King has, the pitches are flying in all different directions. So good luck to, to most batters, but the Blue Jays uh, did not have success, right? And again, the bats were super quiet, apart from George Springer, who walked three times. Most of the bats were super quiet today. And again, yes, Captain Obvious thought there they got shut out. But even just getting on base today via hit seemed like just a, boy, just a massive struggle. Um, why don't we go to the t- uh, the phone line, pardon me, 416-870-0590, star 590 on the cell. We'll go to Rob, who's calling in from Guelph. Welcome to Jay's Talk, Rob. Thanks, Joe. I want to start by saying I love your work. Two quick comments, and then I'll hang up. Number one, I think Manoa needs to use Pitchcom. The fourth inning, half of that stress I felt like came from them trying to change signals and get on the same page. It was felt like it was pretty excessive and unnecessary. And my second comment is with Kirk starting his target up high, trying to fake them out and moving down or whatever direction he was going on, anticipating the Yankees were stealing signs. We don't, I haven't seen them do that to any other pitchers or maybe very rarely. I feel like we're giving them way too much credit and that was almost way too much of a distraction. You should just give him his target and let him go, especially when it's zero, zero runner on first or second. It was just, it was just way too much. Anyways, I'll hang up and thanks for uh, having me on. Hey, Rob, thanks for calling, man, and uh, have a great weekend as well. Hope you get to enjoy some of this lovely weather. Hope it's as nice in Guelph as it is here in Toronto, but appreciate the call. Yeah, you know, the Pitchcom device is something people have texted a decent amount about the Pitchcom device. Okay, I'm going to read a couple texts because these people seem to agree with Rob from Guelph, okay? Let me just find it here. Uh, Mike from Kingston texted in to say, after that nightmare inning, I think it's time that Manoa starts using Pitchcom, at least in innings like that. I think all the sign changing, etc., affected his pitching rhythm in a bad way. Old school is good, but have an open mind when it comes to those situations. And uh, Paul in Toronto, uh, <laughs> a little, little less generous uh, approach to the Pitchcom thing, but still, I, th- I think uh, it's in, in the same kind of vein. As, uh, as as our friends here, with his selfish refusal to use Pitchcom, slowing the game to a crawl, leaving the defense flat-footed, and the pitch clock coming, Manoa is going to need to start changing his approach. And, you know, I think that's a good point. I, I actually, like, when the when the season started and we saw Pitchcom being introduced to a lot of different teams, and not every team started the season using Pitchcom, 
right? Like, that's not what happened. I mean, I think, didn't we see the Cardinals when the Blue Jays went to, went to St. Louis a couple, about a month ago? That was the very first time in the entire season the Cardinals were using Pitchcom. The Detroit Tigers only recently adopted Pitchcom as well when Tarek Skubal started using it himself. I think this was before the Jays played the Tigers recently, but just, just before, essentially. My point being... Lots of teams across Major League Baseball only using Pitchcom for the very first time, certainly to start the year, but later on in the season, not when the season opened at the beginning of April. And I think a lot of people, like the, the device itself, it's like this thing that has nine buttons. The device where the, the catcher wears the nine button device. The catcher presses the button for a pitch, another button for the location. It sends in this kind of encrypted message, which is available in, in different kinds of languages to the pitcher who's wearing an earpiece in the hat. You can often see it in the, in the kind of brim of the hat, and uh, that tells them what to throw, right? And uh, different defensive players, I think up to three defensive players can wear the earpiece to help with the uh, positioning. I think from what I have seen, I've seen pieces written on this in Dallas, in Houston, in Detroit, in St. Louis, as I've mentioned, and all kind of extolling the virtues of Pitchcom, specifically about how it, uh, it, it prevents signs from potentially being stolen. And I think that's what Rob from Gulf was talking about a little bit with Manoa today on the mound, because he, de- he did seem to get a little flustered. That I 100% agree with. He did seem to get some fl- a little bit flustered in that fourth inning. And I want to get to that fourth inning shortly as well, because I don't think he was helped very much by umpires. I don't want to like blame this on umpires, because when you get shut out, you can't blame things like that on umpires. But at the same time, he got squeezed on a few pitches, so we'll talk about it in a sec. But the other thing about Pitchcom is that I feel like it will help the team pick up the pace for pitches, because that pitch clock is coming. That pitch clock is absolutely coming. I don't know, it might not come right away, right? But at the same time, it's going to come eventually, and everyone I have spoken to down in the minors, I mean, I've spoken to people with the Vancouver Canadians, with the Dunedin Blue Jays, with the different affiliates, the Bisons, the Fisher Cats, and all of them to a person has said that the pitch clock makes the games go by much faster, and it, it makes the game, just generally speaking, flow a little bit better. So if that is the case, if that's coming at some point in the not-too-distant future, then I, I wholeheartedly agree with our texters and with Rob from Guelph that the Pitchcom device is something we uh, absolutely uh, need to see. I see some text here as well. Uh, Mike and Victoria, at least if we don't make the playoffs, we can brag we are the most rested team in the league. And Mike texted in, I think when we were doing the pregame, about you know about not getting Guriel in the lineup, not getting Moreno in the lineup. Not a huge fan of Biggio, as I recall, Mike. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I seem to recall that was you. Um, I think you know what I think that's valid. I do, again, I've said this many times. I do really feel as though the Blue Jays are a team where they are very strict with the days off. Remember a couple of uh, weeks ago when Jimmy Garcia, they were forced to go to Jimmy Garcia, and we had a bit of a delay in the game because he, was, he wasn't he was ready because he clearly had the day off. He had to probably go put his cleats on, and he had to throw the weighted ball against the side of the, the bullpen and so on. I think the high-performance department for this team is very strict when it comes to their, their days off, and they because of the... The uh, condensed schedule right now, happening uh, right now between, I guess, so today is sun- Saturday. I think the only couple of days off between now and the All-Star break is Thursday, June 23rd. And I only remember that because uh, I'm going to go bet on the ponies at Woodbine, so uh, that's always fun. But uh, beyond that, I think July 11th, which is a Monday, are the only two, the 23rd and the 11th are the only two days uh, where the Blue Jays have any time off. So, uh they're going to be careful with managing the lineup. But again, I, I do kind of agree that for 
younger guys, maybe maybe they, especially for someone like Moreno or or Lourdes Gurriel Jr., maybe they they don't. I mean, they're young guys. They don't. Uh, how much do you need time off? At the same time, um, they do not like to deviate from these plans. And I kind of wonder, like, just as an aside, I do kind of wonder how much. Like the idea of quote unquote load management, which I feel like became popularized in the like twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen with Kawhi Leonard and so on. At least here in Canada, right? I don't know about the rest of the states and so on, but I feel like that term that became so popular across basically every form of media, I wonder how much that plays into how they treat players with off days. I mean, baseball is a different sport from basically every other major North American sport, but I, uh, it does. It's kind of just something that crosses the mind every now and again because we hear so much about load management. Okay, I'm going to take a quick break. We're going to step aside. When we come back, we'll get back to the phone lines. I see some people waiting on hold right now. Jennifer, Adam, Rocky, stay on the line for me. We'll get to your calls after the break. We'll get back to the text line as well. Um, I believe they're having some kind of yoga is what's going on right now. A lot of yoga mats out in uh, left, center, and right field. So it looks like they're about to do a, a yoga routine here for uh, kids and parents. Um, here uh, following today's game. So I'll give you an update on the yoga situation as well here at Rogers Center. But you're listening to Jay Stock Show Ali on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to Jay Stock on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Show Ali with you for about 15 more minutes. We're here until the top of the hour breaking down the Blue Jays' 4 nothing loss to the New York Yankees. Jamison Tyone shoving for the Yankees. Michael King and Clay Holmes, frankly, doing the same. And uh, the, the Yankees getting runs. A three-run double from Aaron Hicks. A one-run double from Isaiah Kinder-Falefa. And uh, that's a difference in, in a game like today. Honestly, I feel like it was a, a pretty... Like, all things considered, I feel like it was a, relatively speaking, close ball game when two batters are the difference. But... Hey, I mean, Alec Manoa did not have his sharpest game. Five and a third innings pitch, six hits, four runs, all of them earned. The ones I just mentioned, the one walk, he had five strikeouts as well. And really, he got into trouble in that fourth inning. He he bounced back for, for the I guess, not six full innings. I mentioned five and a third, but he bounced back a little bit, I would say. But uh, overall, despite getting squeezed a little bit, I don't know, it wasn't wasn't the best day for Alec Manoa. It's, it's kind of interesting because the Blue Jays, I believe Ben had said during the broadcast, that the Blue Jays uh, had, I think in his 32 career starts, had one coming into today, 25 of them. So Manoa's on the mound. Generally speaking, you have a pretty good chance to win. But alas, tonight was uh, not one of those games as the Blue Jays do fall for nothing. Before we get back to the phone lines and the text line, Let's get to the Bet365 standings update. Bet365 is the world's favorite sports book with 63 million members worldwide. 19 plus, play responsibly, Ontario only. If we look at the standings right now, uh, after the win, the Yankees improved to 49-16. and 16. The Blue Jays are in second place still in the division because the Rays have lost. The Rays are right now, I believe, yep, they are leading the Baltimore Orioles 6-5, to five, but because they had lost four straight coming into today, the Blue Jays had not really lost any ground, or I guess they just failed to make up ground, perhaps, or get further out from the Yan- the, the Tampa Bay Rays, who were in third place. But Blue Jays 37-28, and 28, Rays 35-29. and 29. We'll see if that changes right now after this game. That game is in the bottom of the sixth inning. 
Boston is 35 and 30. They are playing in about 30 minutes time in uh, in Boston against the visiting St. Louis Cardinals and uh, the the Baltimore Orioles are at the bottom of the division 29 and 37. Blue Jays are eight and a half games up from the Orioles and they are 12 games behind the New York Yankees, which honestly is ridiculous. That's just wild. I, I see a text here from let me see here. Uh, where is that? I'm just just trying to find it. It was, uh, what? oh, here we go. Rich in Woodstock. Let's be real. MLB history shows winning less than 110 games always happens. Yankees will have a, will have injuries. They will regress to a bit over a 100-win season. Let's go for the wild card and roll the dice. I generally tend to agree with that it, because if you look at what the Yankees have been doing so far this season, it has been at a historic pace. It's not just that the Yankees have been very good. Like They are the best team in the American League. I dare say they're the best team in baseball right now, uh, much less the two different leagues or the just the division or what have you, but... I got to say, the Yankees are doing something that very few teams ever in the history of this storied sport are doing. Like, for comparison's sake, I, and I don't know how many people remember the fine stats of 2009, and I only know this because Sportsnet Stats does some pretty cool stuff for us um, on Twitter and, and on you know internally as well. Steve Fellin and his crew doing a great job all the time. I believe they had mentioned a couple days ago that in 2009, when the Yankees last won the World Series, uh, I, it, was, it was something like... They had 17 walk-off wins. And again, these last couple of wins were not walk-off wins. But the Yankees this year alone have something like seven or eight walk-off wins. And it's June 18th. There's still like four months left of baseball. A little less. But still, I mean, that's just insane, right? I, th- I, I tend to agree with Rich. I think it will regress. But even if the Blue Jays stay on pace where they are right now, and again, the Blue Jays are what? They are... 11 games, or no, 9 games over 500. Never do math live on the air. Uh, the Blue Jays are 9 games over 500, and they are still on pace to lose the division, even if the Yankees regress by something like, I don't know, 20 wins or something absurd like that, right? But hey, I mean, I guess it was kind of the same way last year. The Rays had some absurd season one on, what, 110 games themselves, and here we are talking about the same kind of thing yet again. It's kind of strange to think. I actually do feel like the rest of the AL East has maybe the Orioles are the only other team that has not regressed, but the Rays and the Red Sox have, I think, clearly regressed, partially due to injury and so on. But who would have thought that the Yankees would more than make up for it? My goodness. I mean, you thought they'd be decent this year, but not 49 and 16 good with a chance to sweep the Blue Jays tomorrow with Yusei Kikuchi on the mound and go for their 50th straight win. I mean, Yikes, right? Okay, let's get back to the phone lines. 416-870-0590, star 590, 1-888-666-0590 as well. Jennifer in Toronto, thank you for holding. Welcome back to Jay's Talk. Oh, hi. Um, I'll preface my call by saying I'm not absolving, like, Guerrero, Hernandez, Kirk, and that for batting over whatever. But I watch the games very carefully. This umpire Addison and Guccione and the other uh, base coach, they squeeze Manoa so much. Tayon got so many calls. And I don't blame for Manoa getting in that pickle in the fourth inning. There were some atrocious calls. There are atrocious calls on Espinal, outside pitches called strikes. There were um, strikes called against Manoa, you know, that he was almost forced to throw. And that's my only comment, because he was fine beyond that fourth inning. 
And I thought the umpires, and I, I'm curious to see the um, umpire scorecard tomorrow. Same. They were atrocious calls. Absolutely, yeah, Jennifer. Thanks for the call. I, you know what? I 100% agree. Like I tend, I again, it, it, is this game entirely able to be put on the the shoulders of an umpire? No, because when you go when you don't <laughs> score a single run, that's that's also partially on you. And just like Jennifer said, you're not absolving the the stars of the game that go over whatever, right? But at the same time, Manoa absolutely 1,000% got squeezed on a couple of well, on a number of different plays. Ted Stokes also tweeting at me saying. I hope the breakdown includes what has been going on all year, all over the league. Bad calls by umps, and you know what? I one hundred, I just, I one hundred percent agree, right? I mean, there are a few pitches that should have been called strikes, or or more guys ruled as not going around instead of clearly being called for a strike, or maybe even an out, right? Like if that happens once or twice in a, in a ball game, all right, okay, human error. I you, you guys have heard me say a bunch of different times, bring on the robot umpires. Bring me all the robots. I want to see all the robots here at Rogers Center. I don't care if it means the umpire is standing down there with a buzzer under his shirt and he, it's a ball, it buzzes on one shoulder, or if it's a strike, it buzzes on the other shoulder, or whatever, however it works, right? I don't really care. Bring me the robots. You're telling me in a sport, where, or in, in a world where we live, in like tennis, for example, where they can look at the shadow of a tennis ball and see like a, the fraction of an inch or millimeters over a line to tell if it was in or out. You're telling me that same technology cannot be used to determine whether something was a ball or a strike? Like, come on, right? I, I've said this to Blake a couple times. Blake Murphy, of course, who does a fantastic job with Jay's Talk Plus. And Blake says, okay, look, we don't want to lose the art that is pitch framing. We don't want to lose other things. And you know what? That's totally valid. Like part of what we like about Alejandro Kirk, for example, is that he's improved not just on offense but on defense as well. Absolutely, I get that, one hundred percent. But at the same time, I mean, <laughs> I I'd rather lose it and have accurate calls for balls and strikes and all that stuff than have human error kind of ruin it, right? I mean, there was a point where one of the Yankees batters today—I forget who it was—I'll be honest—but one of the Yankees batters was not called for going around despite ample evidence to show that he did and even so that pitch had more than enough of the strike zone to just be a strike regardless and it wasn't and it ended up being a ball it just those kinds of things frankly annoy the crap out of me right i wish i could cuss sometimes it'd be more fun but (laughs) it just it, it it's so egregious right and again I'm not going to pin everything on that, but at the same time, it's just I I can't stand seeing guys getting squeezed because I think uh, Manoa probably, I, I think at this point, despite being, what, 24 years old, probably deserves the uh, the benefit of the doubt. But uh, let's get back to the phone lines as well. 416-870-0591, 590 star 590 on your cell. Adam calling in from North York. Welcome to Jay's Talk, man. Yeah, hi. So um, unlike most people, I... I want to make a criticism of the manager today. You know okay. you're going to have a you're going to have a low scoring game. You have a man on third. Stop trying to get the beginning. Bunt him in. Um, you had the chance. You'd been up. You'd be up one nothing, and then the pressure goes on to the other side. Um, I, and also, I just I have to get this out of the way because. I'm one of the few people, I hate the red uniforms. I don't even like them on Canada Day. Okay. It is, okay, I'm going to use an analogy that I never use because I never usually mention hockey about anything. But um, it's to me like the Toronto Maple Leafs saying, 
we're going to put on Montreal Canadian uniforms today because we want to wear red. That's how bad that is to me. Anyways, that, but I really believe that this, that they would have had a better game, but the Yankees, Oh, just so people really understand how the Yankees are. The worst record in baseball in history was the 62 Mets and they were 40 and 120. And there's a good chance that the Yankees, if they were to keep this up, would have less losses than the than the Mets had had wins, which is amazing. Yeah, wild. It's wild, absolutely wild. Hey, Adam, appreciate the call, man. Have a great weekend as well. Thanks for calling into Jay's talk. Yeah, I, <laughs> that's that's a, just a stupid stat. Not in a bad way. I appreciate Adam bringing it up, but that's just like that's just dumb i think right that the yankees are this good oh just so absurd but uh, yeah the red jerseys look i'll go back to it i don't like them right it was kind of funny because they they came out the grounds crew came out but well before the players do right because when the players come out they're not wearing their jerseys they're wearing like the under armor type stuff like the like the underclothes um the underclothes type of things right and they're or they're wearing sweatshirts or the or whatever like the kind of thin windbreakery type things what have you they're just not wearing their uniforms because i'm sure they're waiting to put it on right before they come out here so i hadn't really seen that they were wearing red but the grounds crew came out wearing red and i thought oh that's kind of weird like they maybe why are they wearing red and then the jays came out and like i said ben nicholson smith turned me and said like hey show I, I believe in the curse. I do. And it uh, looks like Ben was right as the Blue Jays lose 4 nothing, uh to the New York Yankees. Um, again, thanks for everyone, all their calls. Uh, I uh, want to get back to the text line as well before we go. I see – I'll just get to a couple here. Um, no name on this one. More spa days for the Blue Jays. They work so well for them. Uh, just ask George. And, again, I think that's a criticism of, of how many guys are in the lineup or, or perhaps not in the lineup like Lourdes Gurriel Jr. or Gabriel Moreno. Uh, Sean from Newmarket, are the Blue Jays just too young? They are watching close pitches for third strikes instead of batting. Not often taking the uh, appro- not often taking good approaches at the plate. Yes, they need several more parts, bullpen starters, and one or two, I think, solid lefty bats. But there's something off of the team as a whole this year. The league has adjusted to them, and they haven't completely adjusted back yet. They need some more experience. That I agree with. I I do think that. When you have good seasons, and what's the phrase people always use in baseball? Like, the book is now out on player X. Like, the book is out on Kevin Gossman. He needs to throw less of his splitter and more of the slider and so on. The book is out on Alec Manoa. He needs to do this or needs to do that. You know what I mean? Like, they always have that saying. Maybe the book is a little bit out on Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Bo Bichette. I mean, we saw the struggles offensively to begin this season, and uh, it wasn't, wasn't great, right? A lot of high velo throwers coming at them. You know, fast and a low and away, and the the Blue Jays batter struggling, and they struggled again today. And again, they need to they need to they need to adjust a little better in game. I would say the same for the pitchers too, right? I mean, you say Kikuchi's coming to the mound tomorrow. Some of these guys need to they need to adjust quicker on the fly. We saw a better approach, I think, against Tyone in the uh, the second time through the order today. But again, it wasn't enough because they didn't score a single run. Um, I see here uh, this one from Elspeth in Brantford. Uh, the strict adherence to when the computers mandate days off defies common sense. And you also didn't need to watch very closely to see the disgrace these umps were. Might as well warp in stripes. And uh, Gary and Woodbridge saying it's the Blue Jays, not the Red Jays. Blue Jays aren't red. They are blue. And blue is in uh, several exclamation marks. So. I guess Gary uh, agrees with Adam in North York with the uh, red jerseys. Hey, look, I think we're—I think Gary and, and Adam, I think we're all on board, man. Those uh, red jerseys, uh, not good. 
not good. I'm uh, going to pass on those ones. That does it for Jays Talk tonight. Appreciate the calls and texts as always. Thanks for listening to Blue Jays Baseball, served up by the always game-ready Jack Links, Meat Snacks, Feed Your Wild Side baseball fans. Jays drop a third straight, second in a row to the Yankees, a 4-0 defeat. Tomorrow, Yusei Kikuchi heads to the mound for Toronto. Luis Severino off the COVID IL. He goes for New York. Blair and Parker are back tomorrow afternoon. I hope you have a wonderful Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Happy Father's Day tomorrow, Sunday. We'll talk to you then.